0: Good morning everybody. You guys doing all right? Good. Well hey, I uh, am Justin. I am one of the pastors here and I am filling in this morning for our formerly bearded leader, Mr. Todd Cullen over here. And I'm pointing them out today because if you don't know, today is his birthday. So go ahead, show him a little bit of love. I promised I would not make you guys sing to him, but if you catch him today or in a restaurant later on, please go up to him, wish him a happy birthday, make it a good day for him, and alert your servers, please. Let them know. I know. I got to give you a hard time somehow. Uh, But hey, I I really am excited to be filling in today and get to be a part of this message series. Um, But before I dive in, I also want to say one other thing real quick, because not only is it Todd's birthday... Uh, but it also is the last of Andrea Boyder, who just happens to be my wife, uh, who's been serving as our interim kids ministry director for a while. And we uh, are expecting baby number three, so we're excited for that and going to be transitioning a little bit. So today is her last day back there, and I'm just really thankful for everything uh, that she's done. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for showing her some love. Yeah, if you are a family, if you've got kids that are uh, part of Island Kids back there, I would encourage you. There are a couple of amazing ladies, Kelly Sosa and Dion Davis, who are going to be back there helping out with things. And so if you get a chance, go back there, get to know them. We'll actually have a meet and greet for you to do that here in a few weeks that you'll hear more about. So be on the lookout for that. But if you have been with us for the last few weeks or if you're visiting for the first time, we've been in this message series called Losing My Religion. And we've been unpacking this idea that unlike other religious systems that are about working hard and kind of doing the right things to earn your way to salvation or acceptance, approval, whatever you want to call it, Christianity is about a relationship, right? Unlike any other religion, Christianity is about a relationship that's offered to you. And we've been unpacking that idea. And so if you've missed the last few weeks, I'd encourage you, go back, hop on our website and listen to some of those messages and hear some of the truth about what the gospel is because it'll help you, uh, I think, understand that a little bit more. But this morning, we're looking at this idea that, okay, if Christianity is about a relationship with a father who loved us so much that he sent his son to do what we couldn't do and to die for us so that we could have life with him, what does that life actually look like? And not like life, like eternal life, off in heaven, you know, out in the distance, but right now, what does it look like to actually live out this relationship that we're offered day to day in the practical stuff? What does it look like to live it out? And we've kind of been going through this series, looking at it through the lens of Paul's life or Saul, as we've been introduced to him. And we're gonna continue to do that today. Right, So we've heard over the last couple weeks about this man, Saul, who if you're not familiar with him, uh, you know, was a man who not only was far from God and far from being a follower of Jesus, but was actually pursuing the murder of people who were following Jesus until he had this amazing encounter with God that completely transformed his life. And so we're going to look in a little bit at what was next for Paul. What did things look like after that moment? But Before we do that, and before we hear some more of Paul's story, I actually want you to hear from somebody else this morning. And so I'm going to invite my friend Jake Penland up on stage. And so if you guys would, give Jake a hand this morning. (laughs) Jake has been a part of our church for a number of years, but I've really known him well for about the last year and a half because we've been involved in our young adults group here at the church together. And i got to tell you, guys this this man that you see up here that's going to share with you this morning if you could see the guy who walked into my apartment a year and a half ago the change that's happened in him has just been uh, amazing to watch jake it's been kind of humbling to watch um, and encouraging inspiring man and i really wanted you guys to get a chance to hear a little bit from jake this morning of just where kind of he's been in the last year or two what he's been doing, and kind of where you're at now, Jake. So if you wouldn't mind, just kind of share a little bit of that journey.
1: All right. Um, So about a year ago, I remember it was one night. I sat on my bed, and I I prayed to to God. And I was like, God, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to, uh, to grow and just finally conquer this and be myself. So a little backstory about that. I had come back home from working in Jacksonville. Um, after losing my mom to some health reasons. So I came back home. I didn't have a job or anything. And, you know, and, I, and through, like, some things with school and growing up and family kind of breaking and struggles, I had, uh, you know, lack of social skills and, um, and things that went on in high school. I found out that, you know, I you know, go through social anxiety disorder. And so I wanted to, you know, so that night I decided to, like, all right, God, I can't do this without you. We're going to grow, and we're going to conquer this. So that night I prayed, and I was like, all right, let's do this. So I remember going to the young adults group, and I, I love the young adults group, you know, but it was it was good, and I was quiet. Yes, I was quiet, and it was good, but it was I wasn't myself. And so myself was this person that was social, and uh, it's hard to believe, but I was social. I wanted that relationship, seeing my parents, you know, have a relationship with their friends and everything. I wanted that. But I so often you know, c- kind of contained myself and was just real quiet through most of the years and kind of just, yeah, just contained myself. And so I started, you know, going to the young adults group. And with counseling, I did like little, like little to-do lists. All right, so this time say hey to someone. Say how are you doing? So I did that and started to grow in that area. And then I started like, all right, let's take it up a notch, you know. So I started getting more involved like with um, Serve Day. I remember getting an email and seeing, like, all right, you know, I'm going to try this out. You know, we, you know they're going to rip up the carpet and do all the demolition and all that. I was like, you know, this is going to be kind of cool, you know, to get to do that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this and check this out. So I pull up, and I'm nervous. I'm sitting in the truck like, all right, I don't see anybody. Like, am I in the right place or not, you know? And I see Pastor Todd and Sean come up, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get out and do that. So I end up meeting great people and just loving that and remember doing it the rest of the serve days. And then after that, I started getting more involved with uh, just like worship night and things like that.
0: Oh, man. Jake, one of the things that you shared in there that I remember when I kind of heard it from you the first time really stood out to me was in the middle of kind of feeling uncomfortable about jumping into these different things that you took like the tiniest of steps and said, I'm going to press into this. Even if it's just like tonight, I'm going to say hey to someone. And so it's really cool now to see he's one of the leaders in our student ministry that's sharing with kids night in, night out. It's pretty awesome. But what, what has that journey been like? Because not only did you kind of commit to, you know, jumping into community with Young Adults Group, but I've seen you, you know, back here serving. So it was, was there some nerves
1: with serving too? Oh, yeah. It was, oh, man. Like the first semester, you know, I was like a fly on the wall. And, you know, I, I, you know, and like, I love the kids and everything like that. And I just, I was so eager to jump in and like, you know, be a kid again. But I was just, oh man, like, like, oh, this is not working out. You know, I was like, you know, maybe I need to rethink this. But like you said, the steps, like me and God were like, all right, it doesn't matter. I'm growing whether I take an inch today or I take a leap. I'm just going to keep going at it. So eventually, you know, later down the road, like this semester, it's been great. I'm talking to kids more, introducing myself and just having that, you know, that fun time with the kids and actually get to be that person that I wish I had in my life, that mentor, that older brother that they look up to and just someone that they can just have fun but also kind of have a shoulder to lean on.
0: Man, it's been, uh, it's been amazing to watch. I'm really thankful that, uh, you know, we've gotten to be a part of it and that that journey of transformation with you. So. Guys, give it up for Jake. Thanks for your story, man. Jake, you're awesome. Man, I wanted you guys to hear a little bit of Jake's story because I, I wish, uh, and I know some of you have gotten the chance to kind of see some of this journey with him, but the transformation that's taken place in his life as he's just day in, day out committed to doing things like community and serving and just slowly but surely seeing that change in his life has been amazing. And Jake, I'm so thankful for you, man. It's been amazing to see. And, And Jake's story of transformation I want you to hear this morning might be a little different than what we've looked at with the story of Saul or Paul, but it's every bit as powerful. And it might look a little different to us, but I actually think as we dig in this morning, it might not look as different as you think from Saul's miraculous transformation, right? The story that I mentioned earlier, that Saul was this man who was far from God until he had this miraculous encounter with Jesus that changed his life. But we're going to look a little bit this morning and see, is that exactly what it looked like? Was it quite that instant change that I think we all tend to perceive uh, with Paul or, or we look back on it that way? And so we're going to look and pick up in Acts chapter 9, where we left off last week. This is Acts chapter 9, verse 19. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there. You can follow along with me on the screens to see kind of what's, what's going on in Saul or Paul's story after this conversion. Acts 9, 19 says this It says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, isn't this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul; they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket and When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Luke is the author of this of Acts and this section that we read, and I think when we, we read luke 's account, we get this kind of impression, like I said that that Saul had this amazing conversion, and it's kind of like immediately he hits the ground running. He's preaching in Damascus. He's confounding the Jews. He's off to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles and kind of to see what's next. But I think when we really dig into it, we might get a little bit of a different picture. And I want us to look at one of the ways that Paul himself talked about those early days of his walk with Christ. Because actually in Galatians chapter 1, Paul kind of gives his own account of his conversion and what those early days looked like. And it gives us some clues for when Luke says things like when many days had passed, right? We can read that and it's, okay, you know, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. I'm not sure what he's talking about there. But in Galatians, Paul gives us some more clues. So in Galatians 1, Paul says this. He says, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it, from any man, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own uh, age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles, they were all too afraid of him, except James, the Lord's brother, And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Right, when we read Luke and Acts, it can seem like Paul had this transformation and he's ready to go. Everything has happened. He's, you know, he's been changed by God and he's ready to do everything that God called him to do. But Paul tells us that after that conversion, God sent him away into Arabia for three years. And if you need a little geography refresher, go watch Aladdin, that'll help you out. But right, Arabia is the desert. It's the middle of nowhere. So if Saul or Paul now is this amazing tool of God who God has prepared to go out and to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, why would he send them off into the middle of nowhere? And I think what we need to realize this morning is this, right? Salvation can be this incredible moment of transformation. And for for Saul or Paul, it was, but there's a little bit more to it, right? Because in, in salvation, God brings us from death to life. He opens our eyes to see this new spiritual reality and he starts our heart. He gets it beating again, and he helps us to love God. But I think sometimes we tend to see this journey that God's going to bring us on, or even we tend to see everything in life with a little bit of like a cinematic effect. And what I mean is this. We want to see good things, and we want to see them happen fast, right? Think, Think Lion King. Right, a couple choruses of akuna Matata and we're through like 15 years of growing up in puberty. Hopefully some grief counseling in there and we're ready to take back the kingdom. Right, we want to see these processes happen fast, but life doesn't actually work that way. Right, God does do miraculous transformation in us, sometimes instantly, but there's always a process. And life doesn't work quite that quickly all the time. And so I think God sent Paul out into Arabia for three years where there wasn't anything else to do except to pray and to study and to pursue him and to think about what God was calling him to do. And I think when we look at Paul's life, we realize that, right, God sent Paul on this lifelong journey, yes, of spiritual highs and incredible impact and powerful moments, but also a life of hard work and perseverance and suffering and dependence on him. And there was a hard process involved in that. And it's, it's because I think there's something else we need to realize as we ask this question this morning of how do we actually live this out, right? We've seen how we get to salvation, but how do we live it out? What does it look like day to day? And then the truth that I want us to get this morning is this. It's after salvation, we play a part. After salvation, we play a part in what God's doing. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter two. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This morning, we've got to realize it's not work for. And we've seen that the last few weeks. It's not work for, but there is a work out. And I don't know about you guys, but the, the concept of a workout isn't always exactly the most exciting thing, right? There's probably some of you in here that maybe did some workouts for a couple weeks back in January, but those days are kind of already gone, right? <laughs> And even if, if maybe you're more of a fitness person, the ideas of working or working out, we know it's not always going to be easy, right? In fact, it's rarely easy, and it's not always fun. It takes time to see results, sometimes for, more, you know, for some people more than others, right? Paul spent three years in Arabia. Jesus even spent 40 days in the wilderness, and if you're Moses, apparently he really needed help because he spent 40 years in the wilderness, Right? We have these seasons where God works in us, but they're not just seasons because one of the things that we also need to realize is this working out is not just a special thing that happens and then it's done and we're off and we do what God calls us to. This working out, right? What we call in theology sanctification, right? This period after salvation is a lifelong part of what it means to follow God. And this working out, is where we've received that grace of God. And we know that we're not working for our salvation, but we start to work from our salvation. And we start to work it out. And we see these symptoms come up in our life. God must've thought I needed help with this illustration because he gave me some symptoms of a cold this morning. But uh, we see these symptoms of salvation that start to come out and we start to see this inner change in us be manifested externally in a couple different ways through what we call spiritual disciplines or good works, right? And Paul talks about these. He says in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10, he says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Never forget it. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, these good works that we talk about—all of us can think of some things pretty quickly, right? They're the things that God commands us to do externally around us: to love the people around us, to serve, to get out there, to give our time, our money, our energy, to volunteer in children's ministry, to work on cleanup projects here at the church or out in the community, whatever it would be, that God calls us to participate in these good works. At the same time, right, we have these, this category of things we call our spiritual disciplines that God calls us to as well, that maybe are a little more focused internally on cultivating ourselves and building up our inner life with God. Things like praying and reading your Bible, committing the community like Jake did with the young adults group, or serving with youth or whatever other capacity that you find. And we see these good works and these spiritual disciplines that God calls us to. But it's not unreasonable, as soon as we start talking about this, as clear as we can be about saying, it's not working for your salvation, it's working from it. It's still not unreasonable to feel a little tension here. Right, when we talk about the things that God commands us to do, Right, We can kind of have this thought of, okay, I know it's not working for our salvation, but isn't this all about relationship? And you're telling me there's stuff I got to do now, though? And we can have this thought of, I mean, I know I'm not supposed to work for it, but is there really any difference? If I still have to do something afterwards, what's the difference here? Is it just semantics? Are we just playing around with words? But what really is the difference And it may not sound that different or look that different on the outside but there is an enormous difference and that difference is your heart it's your heart you see part of the reason i think we feel attention when we talk about this truth right that there's things that god commands us to do it's because we've rightly stressed that salvation is not about what we do we can't earn it there's no amount of good works that's gonna earn that acceptance or that approval of God from us. We're saved by grace through faith. But what we also need to realize this morning is this, it's that biblical, salvific faith, faith that really puts you in relationship with God and saves you is not just about believing. It's not just this mental ascent to, yep, God, I think you're real, I'm good. I don't gotta do anything anymore. True faith is more than that. It's about falling in love with God. And here's what Jesus says about that. Jesus himself says in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You see, if we truly come to faith and we have this relationship with God and God indwells us and saves us, there's gonna be something different in our lives. We're gonna see the fruit of that start to manifest the inward change on the outside right? Because while it might look similar on the outside, it's completely different on the inside. If you don't hear anything, this el- or anything else this morning but this, I want you to hear this. Salvation is not a mountain that we climb. It's a foundation that we build on. Salvation is not something that we go out and we seek with our good works to earn that acceptance, that approval, and to make our way up to God right? Because there's no way we can do that. Salvation is about God's hands underneath us, lifting us up, helping us, indwelling us, helping us to build on what he's done and to make ourselves more like them or like him. See, salvation is a foundation we fall back on when we're struggling. It's not a mountain we fall off of when we're struggling because God's hands are around us and holding us up and helping us to do it But you see, when we look at it one way, right, is about our works. It becomes all about us and what we do. And am I being good enough? It's all about you. But the other way is all about God and what he's done and what he continues to do. One's all about the external. And am I doing the right things? Did I put on the right face? Does everybody see the good stuff that I'm doing? And one is about the internal, but it manifests in the external as well, right? You see, what we have to realize is salvation is this foundation, but we are called to build on it. We have a part in this journey with God and our part is this. Our part is to place our heart in his hands. Our part every day is to come to God and to put our heart in his hands for him to work day in and day out through those spiritual disciplines, through those good works to come to him and to do what he's called us to do because it's through those things that he's gonna work in our hearts. Reading the Bible, praying, worshiping, connecting in community, serving. All of those things are things that God has given us to change us, to change us. But I think we have some misconceptions about those things, right? We don't like the words work or discipline. It sounds like work and discipline, right? And it can really quickly become religious routine and get disconnected from what really matters, right? We tend to think that good works or disciplines are about checking in a box. And yeah, if I've read my Bible enough times this week, I I feel a little better about myself. But there's so much more than that. And one of the things I want us to hear this morning is this. It's that old theologians back in the day, The ancient church fathers, they used to talk about these things that God calls us to do, the spiritual disciplines, the good works. But they had a different way of referring to them. They didn't call them spiritual disciplines or good works. They called them means of grace. Means of grace. You see, the things that we look at and talk about as disciplines, our work, praying, serving, all those things, right? The things that we kind of drag our feet about doing, and maybe aren't always that enthusiastic about you know, working in those areas, right? These older folks in the church, they looked at these things with passion and excitement and hunger because they recognized that these were the doors that God had opened or would open for them to allow his grace to continue to flow into their lives and transform them. Right? You see, good works or spiritual disciplines are a means of God's transforming grace. They're the avenues that God has placed in our lives for his grace to flow in and to change us. And we ought to recover a little bit of that idea. I wish that we still called them these means of grace because placing ourselves in the fountains of God's grace sounds a lot better to me than spiritual discipline or work. And we ought to recover that not just because it's clever semantics that makes it maybe sound a little more fun to do, but because it's true. Because that is what those things accomplish. They're a means for God to work in our hearts. But here's what we also need to realize this morning. If that's true, right, those good works, those spiritual disciplines are a means. They're not the end. God is. Those things are not the end. God is, right, a relationship with him, presence with him. Being made like him, that's our ultimate goal. And those other things are just a tool to get there. But you see, when you're in religion, right? And salvation is about you earning it. And since salvation is based on your good works, that's what it becomes all about. It's about, hey, am I doing enough right? Do I look good enough to everybody else? Is God going to approve of what I've done? And it really quickly becomes are you doing well enough so that you get what you want and you have the good life and you get to heaven? And it misses the whole point. It misses the heart of everything. It's a little bit like this. I want you guys to use a little bit of imagination with me this morning. Imagine that you know, we turned off all the lights in here and the only light in here was a small fire on the stage. Just a little fire that we could all see Right, and our hearts are a little bit like that fire. When God comes and he saves us and he brings us from death to life, he opens our eyes to this new spiritual reality. He takes our cold, dead heart and he brings it to life, right? It's like he lights that fire He ignites the spark and then we're saved. He takes His love and He shares it with us so that we're ignited with a love for Him too and a love for other people so that that light, that fire, it burns for His glory and it shines that light and that warmth on other people around us. But we have a job, right? His Spirit tends it, is responsible for it. He takes care of it. He comes along and He blows on it, right? And He he helps to grow that fire, but we have a job and our job is to collect firewood, is to collect firewood and to bring wood to the fire. And that wood, that firewood in our lives is the spiritual disciplines and the good works and those means of grace that God has given us to allow God to come in and to transform our lives and to stoke that fire, to, to make it larger. And when it gets larger, it increases our desire for even more wood, right? To build that passion so that it shines that light and that warmth on everyone around us, but we have to bring the firewood. And I want you to imagine with me for a second, if that small little fire was right there and I had a pile of firewood, how stupid would it be if instead of allowing the firewood to fuel the fire, I sat here and I said, look at me, look at my firewood, I got some sticks. Look at how good I've been. Look at me, God. Are you you approving of what I've done? You know, look at me, everyone around me. Look at what I've done. Look how big my pile is. And maybe the most dangerous one of all, look at me, self. Look at what you've done. You've done enough. You can feel good about yourself. How stupid would it be if we sat here in the cold and in the dark with a small fire because instead of coming to it with the heart of wanting to build that fire, to build that love inside of me, inside of us, I sat here and I focused on the sticks. You see, when we do that, it's just that. It's just a pile of worthless sticks. And Paul says in Philippians, it's why he says this in Philippians, he considers all his good works apart from knowing Christ, whether it was before he knew Christ or anything he does now where Christ is not the heart of it, as just that, it's a pile of sticks. Actually, what Paul says is he refers to it as a pile of something else, but our translations usually put it in a little bit nicer terms. If you don't believe me, go read your Bible, right? He puts it, uh, he makes a similar point in much nicer terms in 1 Corinthians 13. He says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the point. I don't want to make it to the end and have nothing because my focus wasn't on the right thing and I wasn't in love with God. And so I pray that God would ignite our hearts with this passion for him, a love for him and for his glory that gets rid of all the other things, all the other distractions where Christianity is just about adding some good works onto it, some church attendance, but that it becomes the consuming fire in our life. And so the last thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this, how do we do that? How do we make that change to focus on the fire and the love that God wants us to have in our life? Because if you're anything like me, this all sounds great right now and I'm all for Yeah, I wanna be on fire for God. I wanna love him. But the reality is, is that Monday morning is coming and Friday night is coming when maybe we don't feel quite as ready and as passionate as we might right this second about doing the things that God calls us to do. And a lot of times when I find myself in that place, my reaction is something like this. I tend to kind of maybe resort to praying and thinking something along the lines of, God, would you help me to want to do this a little bit more? I really don't feel like doing this, so can you come along? Can you help me to want to do this? And I don't think that's a bad reaction. In fact, I think it's a fairly good reaction, but I do think it might show that we're thinking about it a little wrong, because. act. And many of us, me included, think backwardsly that think backwardly that passion precedes perseverance. That if I just felt more passionate about this, if I wanted to do it, I'd go do it, right? That it's passionate people that are dedicated and they dig in and they do what they have to do. But the reality is that it works a little different. Than that. And maybe if we realized that instead of waiting around until we feel like it, that if we did the things that God calls us to do, if we took a page out of Nike's book, right, and we just did it, right, that we would see God work in our hearts and take those things as means of grace and He would pour out on us and He would begin to produce the will and the feel, the want in us for it. It may not be instant, it might take time and it might take perseverance, but that as we do it, God has promised to show up and to produce those things in our life, right? John Piper says it like this. He says, the way to receive the the gift of God empowering your actions is to do the actions. In other words, our truth this morning is this, that good works and spiritual disciplines build passion. We don't have to wait around until we have the passion to do them. God calls us to them and as we do them, we'll see him produce it in our life, right? We've gotta do the work, but if it's from the heart, God's gonna show up, he's gonna build that passion because that's what what it's all about this morning. That's what it's all about for each and every one of us. Right, at the end of the day, how we live out this life, how we have a passionate pursuit after God is about our heart. It's not about the external, although we hope we'll see it manifest there, but it's about our heart, right? We all are familiar with the story of David. Right, this little boy that looked like nothing, but God came along and said, you are my chosen king of Israel. And the prophet Samuel said this in 1 Samuel 16, 7. He says, for the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So here's my question for you. What does he see when he looks on your heart? What's your heart's motive? Not how good are you? Have you been doing what you're supposed to lately? But how's your heart? How is your heart? It's so easy to lose focus on what's really important and we drift off to one side or the other. But ask yourself today, how's your heart? Right? Do I really love God? Am I just going through the motions and I think kind of making this about me and I I make sure I do the right things and I, I just kind of was raised this way and I know I'm supposed to do these things or do I really do them out of a heart of love for God? So that's my question this morning. What's your heart's motive? How's your heart? You know, wherever you're at today, God's there, he's waiting for you. He has us in his hands and he'll help us. But feed the fire, feed the fire. Walk in the things that he's got, called us to open the doors of that grace and jump into your Bible, jump into serving, jump into community and let Him work. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for everything that you do for us, God. You are abundantly amazing, Lord. You're so good to us, God. I pray this morning that wherever all of us are at, God, that you would ignite that fire in our hearts, Lord. For anybody who hasn't come to have that relationship with you. And maybe is in here this morning thinking that it's about rules or about being good enough. God, that thinks it's about them and what they have to do, Lord. I pray that you would show that truth to them, that this is all about you. And it's about what you've done for us, God, because you are so abundantly good and loving to us, God. I pray just for every single one of us in this room, Lord, that is on that walk with you, Father. I pray you would ignite that passion in our hearts, God. I pray you would stir us up and that you do it through the means that you've provided. God, I pray for any of us in here that have been struggling this morning. God, we've been struggling to to persevere, to to do the things that you've called us to, to jump in to serving or to connecting in community, to praying, to reading our Bibles. God, I pray you would help us to walk in those things this morning. I pray you'd help us to make the commitment to do them because Father, it's not about us doing them to get with you and you're not gonna let us out of your hands if we don't do them, God, but you do want us to partner with you and to grow to be more like you. I pray we do it. I pray we build that fire, God. God, I wanna see so badly what it would look like in each and every one of our lives, Lord, if we focus on that love and we built it up, we nurtured it with what you've called us to do, God. And how amazing would it be if we as a church came together, and all of us committed to pursue you with a passionate heart, what kind of fire would you build, Lord? What would you show this island and this community if we did it, Father? So God, I pray we'd pursue you. I pray we'd commit our hearts to you. We'd put it in your hands, and we'd trust that as we do hard work and as we persevere, Lord, that you're gonna stir it up in us, God, that you're gonna carry us along the way, that we can depend on you. Father, we love you. You're amazing. It's so amazing that we get the opportunity to have this relationship with you, to have our hearts brought from death to life, God, and to have lives that matter and that point towards you, Lord. I thank you so much for everything that you do for us, God. You're you're so good. We love you. Stir us up, Lord. Help us to feed that fire. Help us to do it in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.